2: Michael Lombardi. Now here is
3: your host Stormy Bonatoni on v the Sports Betting Network. Alright, we have a loaded hour number two for you on the Lombardi line with Michael Lombardi with us from Tucson, Arizona today. Going to be checking out Arizona Wildcats uh, camp there starting this week in Tucson. I'm Ben Wilson in for Stormy from Las Vegas in our Circus Sportsbook Studios. We have Joe Reedy to talk some LA Chargers football in 15 minutes. We'll visit in Atlantic City with our guy Thomas Gable from the Borgata. Sportsbook director there coming up at uh, the bottom of the hour and we start the hour going with one of our favorite segments on these weekend shows. No way or no doubt. Let's Mm -hmm. roll it. Disagree with these takes? No way. Uh-uh, no way. Or
1: do you approve? Oh, no doubt. No doubt. No doubt. My mind. No diggity, no doubt. It's time to ask Michael Lombardi. <laughs> no way or no doubt.
3: Ah, the, and uh, the dulcet tones love of our it. of our Ryan Hunter as well. With the uh, no, If you ever wondered who's the voice behind it? Uh, The no way or no doubt. All right. We've t- we, we discussed this throughout the week. We talked about it briefly yesterday. For those who missed it, though, uh, the, the whole James Harden saga in the NBA oh, uh, has yeah. continued to be just an ongoing soap opera that uh, refuses to go away. Latest was yesterday from the report from Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN that the uh, the league is now investigating in, in just the circumstances of Harden's comments calling Daryl Morey a liar with Philadelphia. But here's our No Way or No Doubt. James Harden will begin the upcoming NBA season on the Philadelphia 76ers, No Way or No Doubt.
2: Well, no doubt he has to. I mean, you know, unless he's just going to get fined. Now, he won't be in shape and he won't care, but there's no doubt he'll have to be there because who else wants him? I mean, who else wants him? Tell me, Ben, who else wants him? You know, the only two people on planet Earth that thinks James Harden is still an elite player is Daryl Morey, who he's accusing of lying, and James Harden himself. I mean, he was a free agent. He could have opted out. Who else wants him at $36 million, there is no doubt. I wish I could play Omar Omar's uh, voice here. There's yeah. just no doubt. He's going to be on the 76ers.
3: And do you think Steve Ballmer is is at least smart enough to recognize uh, paying the money for James Harden not really an optimal way of spending. I realize you have a lot of money, Steve Ballmer, but uh, because right. the Clippers are the favorite right now and that's that's the team Harden says he wants to go to, but I just I don't see how that uh, that gets done. Minus 280 well, favorite.
2: Come but on. but I mean Ballmer didn't make all this money from being, you know, Spent overspending. He made all this money from understanding value, and and understanding the gap in the market, and understanding how to take advantage of things. And you know, if he could get Harden for not giving up a lot of good players, I'm sure he probably would do it because it would improve his team. But he's not going to go away and give away his best players for a guy that he has all the leverage on. I mean, who else wants to make the reason Maury retreated from trading him is because Maury sees this value. And everybody else doesn't. And so it's hard to make a trade. When you over your own players, it's almost impossible to trade no, anybody.
3: No doubt on that. All right, no let's doubt. transition no into doubt. the National Football League. Some running back signings this week in the AFC East. We'll start with gangrene, the New York Jets. Dalvin Cook, now a New York Jet. He will go over 625 and half rushing yards and 5.5 rush touchdowns. Those are his season-long props this season. Those will be the numbers for Dalvin Cook going over, no way or no doubt.
2: I think there's no doubt he'll go over because I'm not sure Bryce Hall is going to be 100% healthy. I mean, it's one thing to come back from the knee. It's another thing to be the same player from the knee injury. And if Cook's healthy, now I was told Cook doesn't practice up at Minnesota, that that shoulder's been a problem. And we know by the way he did his contract. I talked about this on the GM shuffle last week about how his contract is structured so that if he does get suspended, he doesn't earn any money. He does not earn any money. And so, the only reason you would put that into a contract is because you expect something to happen and it isn't good. So, that would be the only way I don't see him going over this prop. Mm-hmm. And it concerns the Jets because they wrote it in the contract, it concerns the cook because the agent acquiesced to it. So, for me, I, I think there's no doubt he'll go over those numbers. But the only caveat here, but then is if something happens based on how they structured the contract
3: and keep in mind as well, even in what was viewed to be a, a down year for Cook still rushed for over 1100 yards a season ago, eight rushing touchdowns for Cook in his final year uh, with Minnesota and also a little plug. Check out the GM Shuffle podcast uh, Michael and Femi, a couple of uh, new podcast episodes in your feed from this past week. If you missed any of those, let's stick in the division. Ezekiel Elliott, now a New England Patriot. So he's only been. I've been there in Foxborough a couple days and head coach Bill Belichick basically saying I haven't really been able to practice with him yet, but there's still a lot of buzz about a guy who might still have some tread on the tires. So Ezekiel Elliott, he will go over 425 and a half rushing yards and four and a half rushing touchdowns. Again, those are his season long props with the Patriots in 2023.
2: I don't think there's any doubt he'll go over the touchdown. He's still a really good short yardage runner. I mean, he had 12 touchdowns last year. And the one thing the Patriots have to do this year is improve their red zone. They, they had a great red zone day on Thursday in Green Bay. And they've got to do that. The opening drive of the game, when they got the turnover, they cashed in the red zone there, which is a, a good sign for Patriot fans. And you've got to be able to run the football. And if you can run the ball and get those tough yards and not have to rely on Stevenson all the time, I think he'll go over the touchdown prop. I don't know if he'll go over. I, I, I would say no way on the rushing prop yeah. because I think Stevenson's still going to be the guy. But look, 400 and some yards with 17 games if he stays healthy isn't exactly a, 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 a tremendous achievement. I mean, he should be able to do that. Uh, if it, in, a, in a role that he plays, but the touchdown one, I really feel like that's where he'll enhance the Patriot team.
3: Yeah, that 425 and a half to go over, you need to average 25 rush yards per game, assuming you played all 17. So it's not like you're asking Ezekiel Elliott to, to be uh, you know, rookie Zeke uh, in Dallas there. Another no way or no doubt. This has been a big week where starting quarterbacks have been announced around the league. Uh, here we go. Both the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Houston Texans should name a week one starter at quarterback this week. No way or no doubt.
2: No doubt. I mean, they have to get ready, right? There, there's just no way you can continue to go on without. You got two. You got 18 days until the opening game, and well, until the Thursday night game, right? So today we have three weeks before the opening game of the season, and so you need those three weeks to kind of get your team. Look, what's going to happen is the final preseason game is going to be a lot of the young players most teams know who's on their roster they're 45 47 maybe there's some doubt about who's 50 51 52 who should be on practice who shouldn't but you should know who your starting quarterback is from this moment forward there's no doubt they should name a starter
3: hard to believe yes 30 of 32 teams have already done that but those are the two teams we're still waiting on tampa bay and houston as we continue
2: no way no doubt i I think think everybody expects you know what's funny uh, on my betting page and 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 DraftKings and BetMGM mm-hmm. all have betting. But one of the things I look at is the conglomerate of everybody, right? From all over the shops, all over DraftKings, New Jersey, everywhere, you know. And the they have had. It's interesting. They've had CJ Stroud as the starter, and they and they are very careful to put something in. CJ Stroud is listed as the starter for Houston, and there's only four, three teams that have not listed a starting quarterback. Tampa Bay, San Francisco, who we know Brock Purdy's going to start, but yep. it doesn't manifest itself on this list, and Arizona.
3: Interesting. How that, yeah, that tends to t- change, and the betting sites j- tend to be more cautious than anything. They want to know for sure before they're listing that stuff out, which is interesting, and again, we assume Stroud, that that will be announced at some point this week. Uh, what we do not know, though, is what is going to happen with the Indianapolis Colts and specifically in the running back room with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, And so had the comments on the broadcast last night from Jim Mercer. Hope he really wants uh, GM Chris Ballard and and says he will have the help. The waters calm down for Jonathan Taylor. So no way or no doubt the Colts should offer Jonathan Taylor a revised contract that includes a raise before the regular season begins in 21 days for Indianapolis from now.
2: Well, I I think they should do something in terms of incentives. I, I don't think you should reward a player for a holding out and b not having a good season last year. So for me, I would do something hey if we do this and you achieve this along and, and it has to be tied to winning for me. I wanted to I want to be part of the team I want it tied to winning. I don't want to just give away money. That's not the job of a team. So therefore I would say there's no doubt they should do something. I would be very cautious on how they do it. Right. I would just right. be tied to incentives.
3: You have to do something, right? You have to at least you know make the make the the uh, you know, the suggestion and the willingness there that you know you at least are in the right place and you want to try to meet somebody halfway, while at the same time, like you say, not just going overboard with you know necessary contract uh, giving out there. So I definitely am in agreement with you on that one. Uh, here, you know, this is actually my, the one I'm most intrigued by, your thoughts on this, because preseason tends to be something that we, uh, we overinflate its value, in, you know just from an individual player standpoint. And Zach Wilson is a great example of this as a QB, where he's just been horrific so far since coming into the league as a starter. He's a great and hard knocks, if you've watched that look good in preseason 26 of 38 for 258 yards and a touchdown has certainly looked more comfortable in the backup role so here's the my most fascinating no way or no doubt for you michael zach wilson still has the potential to be a franchise starting quarterback in the nfl no way or no doubt
2: uh i would i would i would lean here no doubt i mean look it's preseason and you should play a veteran guy who's been in the league long enough should play well look at Look at Sean Clifford. Look at Aiden O'Connell. Those guys have played well this summer. You, you know, veteran guys who've been around the team long enough should play well. Uh, I, I'm not sure he's a franchise quarterback. I don't know about his leadership skills and his ability to uh, to kind of bring the team together. I, I doubt that sincerely. But I would say there's no way I would give up on him right now. I would. There's no way I would give up on him right now. I have too much invested. You know, I would try to see if this can manifest itself into something better. But I'm not going to be sold that he's playing really well just because he had a good preseason. Sure. I think any veteran quarterback who's been around the team a lot, you know, and sometimes when they don't play well in the preseason, you know, they just don't have it anymore.
3: When you, we use the word potential in our graphic there, when we use the word potential, I, of course, will go no doubt just because the raw talent is there. But you know, mentally is the bigger question for Wilson. And it's like, Will, will being behind Aaron Rodgers for a year, maybe two, give him that? It, it's really hard to say. I'm still a, a massive skeptic at, as far as Wilson. I mean, you, you know, you've been in, in the locker room. You know what that's like, the difference between QB2 and QB1. I mean, that, there couldn't be a wider separation there mentally, right?
2: Yeah, of course. Yeah, and and now you got to lead the team, right? We don't talk enough about that, right? You've got to be the focal point. Right now, he's not. He's just trying to blend into the team. He's not the leader of the team. That's Rodgers, right? And when you're the leader of the team, you have to demonstrate you can do that. And I'm not sure I'm ready to go there with Wilson.
3: Another fun addition for us on the show. No way or no doubt. We'll get into the game still to come today. It's the Chargers and the Saints. We'll get Joe Reedy's perspective, covers the Chargers for the AP when we come back on the Lombardi line.
0: This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class.
2: the
3: Sports Betting Network. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into the Sunday edition of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM with the former NFL GM Michael Lombardi. He's on the road in Arizona today. I'm Ben Wilson in for Stormy Tony. Glad that you made it uh, safely amidst all the uh, some of the weather wreaking havoc in the Southwest, Michael. But you were able to like true, uh, you know, true devotion to the game. You're watching NFL Plus yesterday, watching all the preseason action. So I'm glad you're able to. Uh, to to get you know get everything in as we watch the 11 games from yesterday and and as we lead the show today fortunately we have good news as far as you know the big injury from last night which was Isaiah Bolden and the Patriot Packer game that had to be stopped at the 10 29 mark of the fourth quarter so he is uh, out of the hospital and uh, and and fully responsive and everything, which is certainly a very good after how scary of an incident that was. Uh, certainly yeah. gave us immediate uh, you know callbacks to the Demar Hamlin situation in Cincinnati last year. So that is where we start. Good news there for New England. They are going to alter though. It sounds like Michael their schedule for next week going to go back to Foxborough instead of straight to Tennessee. So that is a little bit of a wrinkle there. But uh, all, all good news there as far as the injury for New England.
2: Yeah, they, they they stay tonight and they stayed last night in Green Bay. We will head back to Foxborough. Great news on Bolden, who's really been a very nice surprise for them. He's a long, lean corner. You know, he gave up a big pass to Dobbs that kind of was ruled incomplete initially, then was ruled completed, uh, which Dobbs got his feet in. It was really a hell of a play by Dobbs, but he's really come along. So it's great to see that he's back and he's healthy, uh, and hopefully he can resume activity fairly short. I'll say this. I I think it ends up being a blessing. I mean, the Patriots and the Packers went through two exhausting practices, and then they played their starters a, a lot, a little bit more than I expected in the game. I think they got a lot of work, and I think going against Tennessee probably might have been too much, and I think it's smart for them to go back. And what Matthew Slater said, I think is true. Once Coach Belichick saw what was happening on the field, there was no reason to continue that game. That was enough, and Matt LaFleur agreed, and they went home. So applauding both those teams.
3: Yeah, Smartly done by the league. You know, the betting stuff sort of comes secondary you know, as, as, as any time you have some, something serious on the field like that. And so those bets, uh, since it did not reach 55 minutes, which is the gen- that's a consensus house rule for action needing to be completed, those bets uh, all refunded from last night, Patriots 21-17. Uh, and for those of you watching us in Boston on Nesson this morning, you think about where you know, the, the big talking point we had, Michael, based on the joint practices yesterday on our show, is that you know, the offensive line for the pass has been a little bit banged up. And, you weren't, and as a result, you weren't sure how much we'd see of the ones. And you know, Mac Jones did take a couple of sacks, but at least from an efficiency standpoint, when he did drop back, It looked solid, even though it wasn't a whole lot of deep shots, six for nine, 52 yards. What did you make of the offense, at least when it was the ones on the field there for the Pats?
2: Well, I I think the offensive line's a work in progress, right? So the right tackle's a young kid. He's from Eastern Michigan. He played guard in college, and they've moved him out to tackle. And he's, as Adrian Clem, their offensive line coach, says, uh, he's been somewhat inconsistent, but when he's good, he's been really good. Uh, you know, I think he's going to continue to get better. They've got a lot of injuries in their offensive line. And so they even had to move Bill Murray, who was hurt, and it was a former defensive lineman that was playing guard. They moved him out the right tackle because they're so depleted in terms of injuries. I thought when Trent Brown's out there, you know, they played pretty well. I thought Mac Jones was good. Finally, he got rid of the ball, was accurate with the football. He just missed Parker on a deep throw. Look, this offensive line's got to grow up in the next two weeks, and it's going to continue to do that. But there was some progress. Stevenson ran the ball in a big run. Uh, They just got to continue to be more consistent offensively. But I think these two young receivers that they got, Boutte from LSU Mm -hmm. and Douglas, I, I think their receiving core. For all the conversation about them not being very good at receiver, I think they are. I mean, last night, Boutte and Douglas both looked like legitimate NFL receivers.
3: Those guys combined four catches, 66 yards. Boutte had the 42-yard grab there for New England. So, mm-hmm. uh, and for the Patriots, I mean, defensively, which is believed to be the strength of the team heading into this season, against the ones and Jordan Love of the Packers, there were three drives. Love was able to lead a touchdown drive on his last one, but. That was after a lot of the ones came out for New England. And uh, there was a, a boarded snap, fumble on the first drive for uh, for Love and the Packers. But that was at least, a, even in a very small sample, Michael, an interesting insight uh, where you have Love and all these expectations for a first-year starting quarterback in Green Bay and how he looked against that uh, very good front seven of the Patriots.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, for Love, he just has to play within himself, right? So, like, he's got Aaron Jones, who he only ran the ball one play for six yards, and they took him off the field. Dylan, who's a really good back, but I thought the two receivers, he, the rookie receiver, uh, you know, made a play, got, you know, caught a, had a touchdown pass in the game. So uh, this Green Bay receiving core, much like the Patriots, is going to grow up as the season goes along. And, and I think that when you look at it, the read, I think he was a third round pick this year, you know, he he can make plays. Dobbs was really good. Watson was good in the practices. So I think eventually this is all going to come together. And I and I think when you look at where they are. All all Love needs to do is play within himself. Musgrave's a good receiving tight end, so they've got a lot of parts. Their offensive line's got to stay healthy as well. Now, Bakari sure. did not play last night, but it gives a chance to work some depth in their offensive line. And the Packers' defense, <clears throat> look, I think the Packers' defense is really good. And, and like I said, I can't pronounce his name, but 55 is a legitimate rush guy to go along with Rashad Gary, to go along with to, to go along with all, Preston Smith, I mean, they really have a chance. And Luke Van Ness, really, this kid showed that he's got ability to really step up. So the Packers front seven is really good. Sure, Kingsley
3: Enegbare, two sacks and the TFL. Remember that name, yes. And a lot of people are going yeah, gonna to need, gonna need the uh, <laughs> pronunciation guide on Enegbare. Uh, on and, and you are right, though. I mean, the, the two second-round picks. So Reed was an end-of-second-round pick out of Michigan State, and then Musgrave, the tight end out of Oregon State, I mean, early enough often, love was looking for Musgrave as sort of a security blanket. And you talk about staying within yourself. I have to imagine if you're looking to, you know, whether that is a fantasy or single game player props this year from a betting, I would file Luke Musgrave's name away, especially early where there is going to be an emphasis for Jordan love. All right. Take the easy throw. Let's, let's not try to push the envelope too much as you work and, and get your confidence here to start the season because uh, Musgrave's a guy who has the ability to get open, had a couple of catches from uh, from Love basically uh, right out of the chute. Uh, let's transition to another one of our audiences. The Marquee Sports Network in Chicago joins us on a Sunday morning, and uh, the Bears, it wasn't like either team, Bears or Colts, played a, a ton of starters, and head coach Matt Eberflus basically said as much where yeah, that he felt like the joint practices almost counted as a preseason game or two in their own right. Uh, the bigger news, though, as the uh, the Colts end up winning the game 24-17, was that uh, the the uh, owner Jim Irsay for Indianapolis comes on the broadcast, uh, says a, a whole lot of stuff about the Jonathan Taylor situation. <laughs> and the uh, the main quote was, "We're excited to have him back. I know these things are always difficult. I respect any time people are trying to fight for their position for their families. The biggest thing that I preach is timing is everything. And I know Chris Ballard's going to work hard on and try to get the waters as calm as they can and go forward." Uh, That's sort of like, you know, if if like hurricanes could talk, it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, we we created this mess. We're going to we think it should be calm, but I mean, you know, we might have had a role in having it happen in the first place.
2: You know, when I worked at the Raiders, I used to say Al Davis was like that boat that went through the wake zone at 80 miles an hour. You know, he goes through it really fast, he causes this stir, and then we're all left to deal with the waves. I think that's a little bit like Jim Ursay, too, right? I mean, he's the boat through the wake zone at 80 miles an hour, and then everybody else has to. What do you think Chris Ballard was thinking when he saw that Ursay was going to go on that show? <laughs> like he had to be holding his breath yeah. and like, please, please, please don't do something that kill me. But I got the sense that Ursay softened his stance a little bit and that maybe they will try to compromise some way. Now, I'm not saying they're going to turn around and give him $17 million, but I do get the sense that maybe they will compromise and try to throw incentives. But here's the problem you get into as an executive for a team. If you redo a player's contract who has a contract, then everybody else is going to take the same tactic, right? And so what you want to do is you want to do what— The Patriots did with Matt Judon. He was there. He was practicing. Okay, they reworked his contract. So it doesn't make it look like you've been threatened. And I do get the sense that the Colts will, and this is just a guess, just by Ursay's words and commentary, they have loosened. And Ballard's smart enough to know that, look, we're going to have to give a little to get something and move forward. But I was, I was also surprised that Richardson didn't play in the game. I, I felt like even though he had a lot of reps during the week against the bears, I think the more reps he gets, the better off it's going to be for him in the opening game.
3: Certainly seemed bizarre that you have a, a quarterback who from, from all that we've watched so far in the first preseason game, certainly looked shaky with the interception against Buffalo last week for Anthony Richardson. You'd want to give him as, as much, uh, as many yeah. reps as possible. I, I, I completely understand where you're, where you're coming from there. bears wise. Hard to take much away since not many starters played. I will say, though, in, amidst the preseason where there's been a whole lot of special teams kicking issues, I think about uh, Denver Broncos in particular with a, a couple of kickers who've been just horrific. Uh, and that's been kind of an un, untalked-about storyline, Michael, throughout the NFL preseason. But, I mean, Kyra Santos, think about where the Bears are at. They've, they've had issues in the past at that kicker position. It's been well documented, and uh, Santos has certainly looked uh, solid, very, looked very, very good, admittedly, on the indoor track there in Indy, but made a 50 yarder and was uh, perfect on the PAT. So, at least for Chicago, amidst a division where you have to think there's going to be a lot of uh, close games this season, it at least helps that you feel confident in your kicking game.
2: Yeah, and I wonder what their approach is going to be next week. You know, they, they, are they going to play their starters, or most teams are just going to back everybody off? I mean, we saw New England's not going to practice against Tennessee, which I think is the right call. I think you got to try to get yourself ready. I mean, what most teams want to do is take these next two weeks, now that week two is almost in the books in preseason, is take, really, you have almost three weeks to get ready for the opening game. And you know, play a lot of, because you don't you don't cut players for another what nine days. They're not going to mm. cut teams down. So get all these young guys as many reps as you possibly can in that last game. See what you have in terms of depth and developmental players. And then really work on the game plan, work on preparing for the opening games, which is what I think most of these teams will do. So, you know, that that's what makes week three of the preseason now the former week four. We'll see what happens. And, the, and that's what I wonder what the Bears are going to do. I mean, they played fields very sparingly in the first game. So that means that's the only work he's going to get unless they decide to play him in right. week
3: three. Interesting just to see how that, that impacts the betting markets preseason-wise. Because you and I talked about how efficient offenses looked where the totals went. 11, uh, 10, 5, and 1 in week one to the over. So far in week two, if you if you count the Patriots Packer game, as just a void since that's what basically every sportsbook did. 7, 5, and 1 to the over. So even though there was the adjustment up about two points, you're know, still a good amount of yeah. scoring. Offenses did continue to look good as much as I was expecting that to maybe come down to earth. A lot of games with a lot of scoring, including in L.A. We'll talk about that next. Jimmy Garoppolo makes his debut for the Las Vegas Raiders. Puts up a bunch of points, at least the Raiders as a team do, against the L.A. Rams. We'll get your thoughts thoughts there Michael on that game as well as uh, what happened in the San Francisco preseason game as well so much to get to we'll tell you about our guests as well coming up and we'll also preview a couple of games coming up today here on the Lombardi line this is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi now here's your host Stormy Bonatoni on v the sports betting network and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older to wager all promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non withdrawal bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Gambling problem call at 100 Gambler. Promotional offer not available in Massachusetts, Mississippi, and Nevada. As we welcome you back, it's the Lombardi Line here on a Sunday morning. Joined by Michael Lombardi, I'm Ben Wilson. In for Stormy today, Stormy and Chris enjoying their uh, their honeymoon. Congrats again to the uh, the newlyweds. Uh, it's hard to believe. A week ago, we were at the, had had the wedding here in Vegas, Michael. So it's a great time I had by all. Uh, Stormy will be back uh, here ne- late uh, later next week uh, as we welcome in John McLean right now. Um, glad to welcome in John here, Michael. First and foremost, because there's there's nobody who has had as much experience sifting through what is BS and what is reality in NFL preseason. <laughs> so I, that's that's why I love getting John's perspective. And uh, we will start with the game we were just talking about: John Dolphins Texans from last night. C.J. Stroud seven to twelve. Uh, 60 yards, Uh, your your thoughts on, first off, just the Stroud experience now through two weeks in the preseason.
4: First of all, thank you guys for having me. Um, C.J. Stroud struggled in his first game, two series. His rating was 17.7. He had an interception, took a sack. He should have thrown the ball away, and they pulled him, uh, which was the plan. And in this game, first time they got the ball was on the seven-yard line. After an interception, he had to delay a game on third down the one, two incompletions, including a miscommunication with tight end Dalton Schultz on fourth down. But then on the second series, he came in and he showed why they drafted him second overall. He was terrific. He was throwing timing passes to the boundary. He was throwing the quick slants over the middle. He was accurate. He got rid of the ball quick. He was five of Six for uh, 52 yards and one incompletion in which Xavier Howard made a great play over the middle on a third down pass and they kicked a field goal. And then he played the first half with the starters, but the problem was their defense was awful. And the problem, they didn't get the ball back except once. When you can't stop the run, and the Texans have been pathetic against the run for four years in a row, including giving up 170 yards a game last year. One of the things D'Amico Ryans insists on is stopping the run. Well, they didn't. And I know it was preseason, second preseason game, but they were terrible. So Miami controlled the ball for almost 39 minutes, and Stroud didn't get many opportunities in the first half when he played with the starters. But overall, he, sh- he showed on one series uh, what he's capable of doing.
2: JOHN, Michael Lombardi here. Great to have you. Love having you. Love the history. I want to start off with a, a, a kind of perspective from you, right? We know the Titans are going to wear the love you blue Houston Oiler uniforms in Nashville. As a a true Houston Oiler, you go back so far, knowing this franchise, what was your reaction when you heard that they were going to put the love you blue uniforms on? That would be question one. And question two, is there finally stability within the Texans organization in terms of knowing that D'Amico, with a six-year contract, isn't going to get fired after a year?
4: Mike, let me go back to, uh, I've known since the league meetings in March that they were going to wear those uniforms against the Texans in Nashville uh, in December, the week before Christmas. They're wearing them against Atlanta when they had their annual Oiler-Titan reunion. And so it's created such a controversy here, and even my own radio station here wants to run me out of town because I think it's great. Because I love those old Columbia blue uniforms, they can never, they can never be worn here. The Texans are not the the Oilers. The Titans are the Oilers. All the former players. I did a column on it for our website, SportsRadio610.com, in which I call Dan Pastorini, Bruce Matthews, Warren Moon, Robert Brazil, and they all love it. And uh, but the fans here, you know, the fire stoked by the media think it's disrespectful. It's terrible. And I think it's great, but I'm in the minority. And I know that what it means to those former players to have somebody wear their uniforms, it can never happen here. It can never happen by the Texans. So they're just glad to see it. It's the first time in 25 years, they'll be worn. A lot of people forget the first two years in Nashville, they were the Tennessee Oilers, and they wore Columbia Blue. Then in 99, when they became the Titans, got their new stadium, new facility, new uniforms, Bud Adams always wanted uh, a Columbia Blue as part of it. And I thought that made those uniforms ugly to have Columbia Blue with their current blue. But Bud wanted uh, something as far as the past. So I'm fired up about it. I can't wait to go up there and see it, but it just infuriates people here. (laughs) As far as anybody who watched the Texans the last two years knows how poorly they were coached. Last year, they had the worst offensive coaching I've ever seen in this franchise's history, and it was obvious why... David Cully and Lovey Smith were one and done. Now, around the country, people that didn't watch them, and why would they? Are like, oh my God, why would they do this? Well, those of us who watched it knew exactly why they did it. So they give D'Amico rights. He could have taken any. He was offered interviews by Carolina, Arizona, Indianapolis, Denver, and Houston he cancelled three. he'd interviewed with Denver. they tried to get him right up until the end, offered him more money than the Texans offered him, but he said it was his dream job, and because his wife's from here, they got married here while he played for the Eagles. He played here first six years. They have a home for wayward kids they they uh, they built Back in the pandemic, and they were building their dream house here. So he was fired up to get back. Vans are fired up. Uh, For the first, it reminded me, Mike, about uh, the first year of Gary Kubiak when he came back in 2006, his hometown. That's how fired up people are. And they don't have any illusions of grandeur. They just want to see some progress over four, four and three victories the last three years. It's hard for people to realize Texas has only been bad three years. They beat Buffalo in the playoffs in January, 2020 and blew that lead at Arrowhead stadium. Then went straight down the toilet. So people would love to see him go from three to six victories and that would be significant improvement.
3: No question. And you can hear, uh, by the way, John McClain mentioned uh, his radio show, Houston Sports Radio 610. John McClain. You can also follow it. McLean underscore on underscore NFL. Longtime uh, beat writer covering the Houston Texans. And I think back to, you know, it's interesting you bring up the 2006 season because that was uh, after the Dom Capers era. Texans had won just two games in 05. And so expectations were, were very, very low. And Kubiak came in, won six games, which was seen as at least a step in the right direction, started the turnaround there. For Houston and I bring that up because win totals at six and a half for Houston this year. Now in 2023 we get the extra game now 17 game schedule so uh, over is plus 110 not expected to go over that six and a half but considering the upgrades made at head coach how quickly do you view at least some improvements being showed John and is it enough to say could this team possibly even get to a seven wins as far fetched on paper as that might seem.
4: I don't. The schedule is a lot easier than last year when they played the NFC East and the AFC West. They played the NFC South, which is bad as the AFC South. You know, these two divisions are terrible. And um, they. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do. Of course, with injuries, but C.J. Stroud's a rookie quarterback. We all know the rookie quarterbacks are going to struggle. Gary Kubiak, when he won six games, he had David Carr in his last year, and they struggled offensively. And and then when they got a veteran Matt Schaub, they started to show progress. Here they sink or swim with Stroud, their third overall pick, Will Anderson, who had a great sack. In the uh, game yesterday, a strip sack. And they still have first, second, third round draft choices next year. People think they're destitute after the Will Anderson Jr. trade. But uh, they have a lot of good young players. It's the third year of Nick Casario's rebuild. Mike, you know Nick very well. He was told to tear it down, mm-hmm. start over. He has done that. He has final say, control of everything has to do with personnel. The uh McNair family loves it. They always stay out of decisions. They want to know what's going on. And then they let the guy they hired make the decision. If he makes enough bad ones, he's gone. If he makes good ones, he'll get an extension for even more money. They gave him a six year contract. So uh he and D'Amico Ryan's are gonna be a pair for a while. And, uh, but they still need another off-season before anybody can even use Texans and the P word in the same sentence. Great way oh, you're to the phrase best,
2: it. John. John. You're the best, John McClain. We appreciate you so much. Yeah. You're the best
4: my pleasure guys keep up the great work absolutely
3: thank you as always john for giving us some time give him a follow again mcclain underscore on underscore nfl as we wrap up our first hour on the show here on the lombardi line stay with us though because up next no way or no doubt we have a bunch of topics to throw at michael's way we'll also break down blue chip offensive linemen individually and units this season we also will uh, talk more on the chargers front as well with joe reedy and thomas gable joins us as well in our
1: number two